Well, let's begin uh, today's message by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. One translation says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. In other words, uh, don't be timid about life. Don't be timid about your ministry. Don't be timid about what you're called to do, but be bold in the things of God and the things of life. But he said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that was in your grandmother and your mother, and I'm sure and I can see is in you also. Well, what is unfeigned faith? Well, I don't have time to give like the full, uh, you know, a full treatment of that subject, but unfeigned means it's not fake. It's a real faith. In other words, it's not a faith that you're pretending. You're not pretending that you believe in God. You're not pretending that uh, you believe what he said, but you actually believe it. It actually affects your life. What you really believe is what you're doing. So if you want to know, like, where am I in trusting God? Well, look at your life. Look at the past week. Look at the past month. Look at the past year. Does your life show that you're trusting in God, or maybe a better way to say it is, who does your life show that you are trusting in? Where is your trust? Well, you know, in a church service where believers come together, uh, or sometimes also non-believers come together, it's really a meeting that God has called. When we come together, sometimes, you know, we have like the best front forward, you know, and um, that, that's pretty normal. But in church is not really where you find out what you believe. It's when the pressure comes and the unexpected circumstances of life come, that's when your faith is really shown. In other words, where do you trust? Where do you turn to? What are you looking to? And so, of course, if you're going to have God's best, what you're going to look to, what you need to look to is Jesus Christ the beginning and the end, or the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, he's the one that paid the price so that you could even receive faith. He's the one that made a way that you could trust God, that you could believe God. It's been given to every man the measure of faith. And so we've all been given a measure of faith. It's a matter of what we've done with it. So Paul is telling Timothy, a young minister, he said, when I remember the kind of faith that your grandmother had, and then that same kind of faith went down to your mother, and that same kind of faith I'm sure is in you as well. And this is a legitimate faith. This is a faith that's not just going through the motions, that's not just looks good on the outside or looks good on Sunday or looks good when circumstances are going right, but this is a faith that will hold you and sustain you and invigorate you in the difficulties of life, when you don't feel like saying everything's going okay, everything's going great, when you don't feel, this is the kind of faith that will cause you to stand in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trouble, and in the midst of triumph. 
This is a sin-conquering, a devil-conquering, a circumstance-conquering kind of way to live. Because faith without works is dead. So what you really believe is what you're doing. Now, sometimes we kind of get tripped up because you think, like, we can all look back on different uh, situations that have happened in our life, and we, oof, that was not probably the best response. That was not the best way to do it. Um, but the good thing about living a life of faith is it's really not based upon what you can do apart from God. It's actually based upon what God did apart from you. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Well, you can think about that even as a, if you think about mothers, we're talking about mothers. Well, you can think like a wise mother will build her home, but a foolish one will tear it down with her own hands. I believe there's two main ways that you, you should apply that. One is, of course, in a home if you are a mother. But the other is your own home, like yourself. A wise mother uh, will build up who she is in Christ. But an unwise mother, an unwise person, will tear down who they are and who they've been created to be. What does that mean? Well, that just means that you think about more, you talk about more, um, your weaknesses, your failures, or maybe things that you've done apart from Christ that you want to say, hey, pat me on the back. Look, I did this, I did this. But if you're going to have a life that flourishes. Your life is going to have to be lived in Christ. If you're trying to live your life any other way, from any other source, you have a limited life. And normally, it's limited to the here and now. Like, you know, if you go, uh, I was out last week or the week before uh, with one of my kids and they went with me on a, on a, we had to go get some parts or something like that. And so um, it was kind of warm. And so I thought, you know, this is a great moment, you know, and uh, we were trying to conserve some money and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go get him a little uh, ice cream cone at McDonald's. I'm like, they're like 50 cents. Well, they're really not like 50 cents. They're like a dollar and five cents. See, the last time I did that, right? <laughs> And so I thought, but, you know, every moment is important. And so I thought, you know, I remember when I was a kid, like, we did my, we would do stuff like that. And, like, to me as an adult, it's, like, no big deal. But to them, like, oh, this is so fun. I'm with Daddy, and we get to go have this little ice cream cone. So we did, and it was a, a really fun time and a special time. But, you know, if, if you know me very well uh, or you've heard me speak very much, you know, like, if I'm on a trip, I don't want to stop. I want to go from point A to point B because we're on a journey and this is where we're going. And I don't really want to sightsee on the way. Now, I've learned to do that, but, you know, apart, <laughs> apart from, you know, basically if I'm yielding to my flesh, I'm like, well, no, let's go here to here. And somebody said, well, do you want to stop? And so I went on a trip one time with Melody and a friend of mine in Oklahoma. And we were going from Oklahoma to New Mexico. And uh, I think it's about a 10 or 12 hour drive. I don't recall off the top of my head, but it's, it's a decent drive. And so we start out and, you know, I got the car uh, full of gas. Everything's ready to go. And so we start down the road and we get about an hour and a half down the road. And my, not my wife, who normally is the one that says, let's stop. It was my friend. He said, um, 
uh, I'm getting kind of thirsty. I'd like to get a coffee. And I thought, I thought really? I said, you, you ready for something now? He's like, yeah, 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 let's look for a place to stop. And so I didn't say much, you know, because I thought, okay, that's strange. I don't like to stop at the beginning of the trip. I like to get at least like four hours under my belt, and then we'll stop, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, do you have to go to the bathroom now or anything? You know? And so uh, we stopped. Melody's like, oh, yeah, let's stop. That's a great idea. So I thought, okay, well, we'll sacrifice this, this stop on the trip, but we'll make some good progress now after this. So we get back in the car. They got their coffee, used the restroom, got a snack. And so we start going, and man, about another hour and a half, two hours down the road, hey, we, I got to go to the bathroom, right, because they drank coffee. And so <laughs> we stop, and this went on for the whole trip, like every two, hour and a half to two hours. And so finally we go, and uh, we're in New Mexico at this point, I think Santa Rosa, and uh, we stop, and I had, uh, you know, used the restroom and was ready to go. And my friend, is he just looking at the knickknacks and the coffee shop in the shop and everything like that? And he picks up this mug, and it says Blue Hole. And he says, hey, Tim, look at that, Blue Hole. And I said, oh, that's cool, Glenn. Uh, are you ready to go? He's like, it says it's like right here in Santa Rosa. And I said, oh, that's cool. Right, did you want a snack or anything? And uh, I'm not getting the point right. <laughs> And he's not getting it either. And so uh, finally he says, um, we should go to the blue hole. He said, I talked to somebody over there, and they said, it's just right here. And so I was kind of dragging my feet, and Melody came out, I think, of the restroom at that point. And then uh, she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go to the blue hole. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so they convinced me to go to the blue hole. And so we changed separately in the car because, you know, we didn't have anything. And blue hole was like this big hole of water to swim in. And um, so we go, we get in the water, and there's like, uh, it's not that amazing. It's like this, this little pondish lake. It's not very big. Maybe it's like a 50-acre lake or something. It I don't think very big. So it's there, and then um, we're swimming, and we're talking, and I'm like, you know, this isn't really that impressive. I don't know why they put it on a mug. And somebody overheard us, and they said, this is not the blue hole. <laughs> So I'm thinking, great, now we can go. <laughs> and they said, it's not. Where is the blue hole? And the guy said, well, it's right up there, up the hill over there. And uh, so, of course, we decided let's go to the blue hole because we're here. So the blue hole is like this big blue hole of water that goes 100 feet deep, crystal clear water, ice cold water. And then at the bottom of the hole, there's about a four-foot uh, diameter opening where divers, you know, they have diver uh, bubble and bells all the way down so you can practice your diving skills. Then you can go down into the caves and dive through the caves. And uh, then there's cliffs above it, and so you can jump off the cliffs into the water. And so we went swimming in there for a little bit, and then we left. And I actually did have a good time, and I actually did enjoy it. And um, you might think that I, I got off track, but uh, as a mother, you're tasked with so many things and it seems like you have so many things going on. Of course, uh, I was one of four children, and then I have four children, so I maybe speak from that experience. And so you've always got uh, something happening, and um, it's never really a dull moment. But it's real easy, especially maybe if you're more my personality, that you kind of go through life, and you're getting to the destination. But you forget about the moments. And you forget about... What is happening right now? What am I putting into this person or this young person right now at this moment? What kind of influence am I having on them? Ephesians 5.16 says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. 
And so, you know, as I, as I age, you find out I may never have another moment with you. I may never have another moment with the people that I'm with. And, you know, we think, well, life is so long. I, I like um, Brother T.L. Osborne. We got to go to some of his uh, meetings, and he said something that has never left me. And um, he said, you know, he's in his 80s when he said this. He said, you have one swath at life. In other words, I always looked at it like a sickle. You take one sickle through, and he said, your life will be over. Life ends so much faster than what you think. He said, and then he said, I don't know how in the world I ever got to be 80. <laughs> like, where did the time go? I thought I'd have this time, this time, this time. And so uh, it's so important that we take every moment and live every moment for the Lord. And if you're talking about raising children as a mother or interacting with children as a mother, whether they're young children or they're grown children, you know, you want to savor every single moment. You can never get those moments back. And so, uh, so much of life is in our perspective and how we see it. I was talking with one of my children yesterday, and they were having a little bit of an attitude issue, attitude challenge. They had a bad attitude. <laughs> and so we were discussing some different things. And so I said to him, I said, listen, I said, you know what daddy says about the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13? You know, we having the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith that Jesus had, that Paul had, that David had. You know, David, with the spirit of faith, you know, killed a lion, killed a bear, killed a Philistine. And I said, the spirit of faith is like a basketball in a swimming pool. That may not mean anything to you, but it means something to me. So you take a basketball in a swimming pool that's properly inflated. You push that thing under the water. And I don't care how long you wait. As soon as you, if you just move just a little bit, that thing is popping back up. In other words, no matter what life brings your way, when you approach life with a spirit of faith, you can't lose. Every circumstance you pop to the top, every circumstance you pop to the top, you might be pushed under for a second, but let me tell you, you're coming up. And so if you've ever tried to take a basketball and hold it under the water, it's quite a challenge to keep that thing under the water because it is coming up. At some point, it is coming up. So sometimes the enemy, he may win the battle, but he has lost the war. In other words, you may have a, a setback. Uh, I think of it even in financial terms that, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't give you a paycheck every Friday, but he does pay. It does pay to serve the Lord. It pays to give. It pays to tithe. Um, it pays more than just financial things, but it also he will multiply your seed sown. And so life is not supposed to be lived based on your own abilities apart from Christ. But we're to live life from the inside out, not from the outside in. What does that mean? Well, as soon as you are born again, as soon as you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you have someone that comes to live on the inside of you, and that is the Spirit of God. And he's not just there to fill a void in your heart. He's there to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. Jesus said, I'm going away, but it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the comforter or the helper will not come. But if I do go, he'll come, and he's going to come, and he's going to live with you forever. So you're either going to, if you're born again, you're either going to get acquainted with the Spirit of God here or later. And what the reality is, Jesus said, 
that he's with you, talking to his disciples, and he shall be in you, and that you already know him. And so in reality, the second that you're born again, you know the Spirit of God because he's the one that drew you to God himself. So, you know, that may all be uh, wonderful, and you may say, amen, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. I agree. But sometimes Monday comes after Sunday, and you get up, and you're like, oh, that was so good. And like, uh, uh, what did they say? How was that? Like, and you're like, okay, I need to listen to that again. You listen to it again. And then like five minutes later, you're like, now what was that? And uh, you go, and you listen to something, and something happens on the inside of you. In other words, something registers. Your head might not fully understand it, but you're like, there's something to that. There's something to what I just heard from the Word of God. There's something to what they just said. It did something on the inside of me. Brother Higgins used to say, like, I'm turning flips on the inside. And, and so you receive the Word, and you're so excited. But then a circumstance comes, or you get distracted by something else, and then you're kind of like, uh, mm. Okay, what was I supposed to do? And how does this work? And, and okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And before you know it, you started out receiving Jesus because of what he did, not because of what you did. Except for the fact of you might have looked at your life and been like, man, I really made a mess of this, so I need some help. But not because of the good things you did, but because of the good things that Jesus did. And so he becomes your new identity. But Paul, if you look at his letters, so many of his letters, he said like, uh, okay, you have someone on the inside now. This changes everything. Don't try to live the way you used to live. In other words, don't try to go through life and figure everything out with your head. Don't try to go through life and just do whatever your body wants to do. And, uh, you know, you find that as you uh, look at uh, keeping your body in the shape that you want it to be in, that if you just did whatever your body felt like doing, uh, your muscles would begin to atrophy. And, uh, you know, in other words, you'd be like, I don't have as many muscles. I had that head injury at the beginning of the year, and it's just praise the Lord for for healing. But um, I had to do some uh, yard work yesterday, and um, our kids have these big old tires that used to be on my truck, and they, they use them to play and stack and do all this type of stuff. And so I had to move, move them to mow the lawn. And um, what would have been, like, very difficult for me a, a month ago, I just, like, picked them up. And, and as I'm doing it, all of a sudden I remembered, I'm like, I couldn't do this before. And, uh, you know, before, the, before uh, January when I kind of had that accident, I... Um, that, that was no problem. I was just doing this, 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 this. And so I was telling somebody this morning, I don't know who it was, but I didn't realize how much uh, the, a concussion affected my physical strength or maybe my ability to use my physical strength. I don't understand it all. I don't need to understand it all. But Jesus is my healer. And so because of that, it actually affected these other areas of my life. And so when you identify with the greater one that lives on the inside of you, and you identify and you measure your circumstances based on the greater one that lives inside of you, that gives you a get-out-of-jail-free ticket. In other words, you may be nothing for this circumstance. 
You may be no match for this circumstance. All the experts may say, this is how it's going to be, and you know, we've done tests, and we've found this out, and we've done focus groups, and this is, how, this is how it has to be, and it's no other way. Man, if it goes contrary to the word of God, I'm telling you, you act on the word, which is your faith, and you'll watch the word of God happen in that situation. Why? Because God said, I watch over my word to perform it. So he's not watching over all these other things, but as soon as you act on the word of God, the power of God is present. The power of God will perform what he said it would do because you are performing the word and he watches his word to perform it. And these signs will follow them that believe. In other words, if you believe the word, you will do the word. And if you do the word because you believe the word, he watches it and he will perform the word. So in other words, our job is to believe, his job is to perform. So what happens? You may look and you may say, well, I, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I have the strength to do this. You know, I've, I've tried to teach my kids this, and they seem to do this, and I teach the kids this, and they do this. Well, examine your heart. Number one, examine your heart. You know, we don't have time to do a deep examination of your heart this morning, but I can tell you right now, uh, man is a, a three-part being. Paul said, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or the coming of the Son of Man. But your spirit is your heart. I'm not talking about like the physical heart that pumps blood uh, through your body, but the heart. What is your heart? Well, if you're born again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. In other words, uh, in your spirit, you have become brand new, and your past is actually the past of Jesus Christ. Because God said, I'll take your sins, I'll take your iniquities, that means the things that you did wrong, and the the, uh, bent that you have to do wrong things, like bad habits, all these things, and I'll cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And I suppose they're as far into the sea of forgetfulness as God has the ability to put them because he's the one that said he would do it. And so if he created all things, um, they're gone. They're in the sea of forgetfulness. Now the devil may bring up a picture or you may try to, you know, go back to your past and figure out like, oh, like, uh, I remember I did this. I remember I did that. Well, God said I cast those into the sea of forgetfulness. So why are you renting a treasure hunting crew and trying to drag them back up? (laughs) Because the devil tries to tell you, and he comes against your mind. He comes from the outside. He tries to tell you, well, no, you're not good enough because you did this and did did this and did this, and you don't ever do this that you're supposed to do. And so what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to measure yourself by yourself. But God said, I'm measuring you by Jesus Christ. God said, I see you in Christ. God said, I'm not looking at all of the things that you did. I'm looking at what Jesus himself did. And the reality, all of the things that you did or will do, 
or are doing, and all of the things that I did, will do, or am doing, Jesus paid the price for every sin, every mistake, every weakness, every sickness, every failing, every amount of pride, every amount of arrogance. He took it on himself. And so God then is measuring us by Jesus Christ. In other words, when he looks, he looks at each one of us here this morning, or those that are watching or listening. When he looks at us and he decides, do they deserve this blessing? Do they deserve my power, my presence, my freedom? He looks and he sees the blood of Jesus. And he says, well, yes, they do. I see perfection. I see the ultimate because he sees Christ. Because we're measured against Christ, we're not measured against ourselves. So Jesus becomes our identity and our identification. And so when you look in your heart, you find out you're a new creature, everything's pretty good there. Well, where are the problem? Well, it's in your flesh and your mind that you have not, that hasn't been transformed or renewed by the word of God. Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so in your spirit, you're amazing. In fact, your spirit has become one spirit with Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Uh, the Bible says that we are one spirit with him. That means that your spirit is like hell tested and it defeated hell. And so you're not like in a weakened state when you operate from who you are in Christ. Because when you operate from that place, you're operating from the one that defeated the devil, from the one that defeated sickness, from the one that defeated every weakness known to man. In other words, God looked, and he loved so much that he gave. And he gave before he even created man. He said he ordained Christ as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, before this whole thing started, he looked and he set his affection on mankind, and he said, I'm making a way of provision before they even exist and think about how to mess up. And so he made a way. Like, it didn't surprise God when man messed up, but he said, I've already made a way. I've already given access. I already made a way that they don't have to succumb to the plan of the enemy, to the plan of the devil, and to the powers of the world and the powers that are in the world. But they can stay in the world and be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. So really, if you're looking at the new man on the inside you're really not even looking at yourself. You're really looking at Christ. Well, how are you looking at Christ? It is no longer I that live, Paul said, but Christ that lives in me. In other words, Christ is the one living inside of you. He's the one that wants to express himself. And like I said, as soon as you're born again, you have the witness of the Spirit. And it's not a difficult thing. He leads you. He guides you. He talks to you. You might say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't hear him speak. As soon as you act on the word, from the peace of God that you have on the inside, all of a sudden, even those feelings will change. Even those feelings will change. Why? Because he watches over his word to perform it as soon as you act on the word. Faith is not moved by circumstances. Faith is not moved by feelings. 
faith is moved by the word of God. If you can find where God said it, then faith will act on that. Faith says, I don't need to know all these other things. I just need to know, did God say this? What did God say about this? Because if he said it, he's not a man that he should lie. He watches over his word to perform it. He is good and he always does good. All of his ways are good. He made provision for me in every area of my life. So if I can just find out something that he said to me, I'm gonna act on that and it's gonna become. From the second that you're born again, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And then the feeling comes or the sense comes, spiritual sense, like you know afterwards. I mean, I'm afraid with countless people to receive Christ and normally they're under a lot of like, they call it like a heavy weight or a burden or ah, ah, so overwhelming. And then they'll pray, accept Christ, they'll say, thank you, Father, that Jesus is now my Lord and I am now your child. And normally their face lights up and they're like, oh, this is so wonderful. But that came after they believed and confessed, not before. I've watched people, maybe something that's more common to a lot of people's lives, I've watched people under a load of stress and pressure and all of these things, and they, that seems like it's one of the most common things people come and they want prayer for. And I've watched people almost like want to jump out of their skin because I say like, I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to pray like that you won't be stressed and that you won't be anxious because I can't do that. The Bible says, casting all of your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you lovingly, watchfully. Why, why? Well, it says right there, because God loves you. He doesn't want you to have those things. I said, well, but I can't really pray that for you. You are the only one that can do that. God can't even do that for you. You have to take your own cares as an act and a choice of your own will and say, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna carry these. Lord, I'm giving them to you. The thing is, if you're not gonna do that, you cannot pray in faith. In other words, you're, because by its very definition, you're not trusting the Lord. You're trusting yourself with those cares, those worries, those fears. I've been there. I know. And sometimes you have them, and you're like, I really don't want to let go because it makes you nervous because, well, what's going to happen? What's, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? And so, but I've watched people, and I said, well, I want to pray for you. And I, I said, but you have, to, you have to give up those cares, you know, that you want to, like, just surround yourself in that worry. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And they're almost like crawling out of their skin. Like, like they just are so, their flesh is so resisting it, like they want to have that. And then, um, I don't know, it's, I might have one person that wouldn't do that, but almost everybody finally would, and they finally, you know, be like, okay. Well, as soon as they do, as soon as they what? First they confess. The second they declare it. And really, most of the time, the second they begin to declare it, they say, Lord, I don't want these. Please forgive me. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust you. And just like the Bible says, the peace of God that passes all understanding floods their heart and their mind through Christ Jesus. And so whether you're a mother here this morning, or you're going to be a mother, or uh, you have no hope of being a mother... The answer to your life is to receive Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the answer to your life is to live your life from who is on the inside of you and who you've been made to be in him. And then you can't go under for going over. In other words, you're like that. You have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. How do you get the spirit of faith? You get born again, and then you act like it's true. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter what your children do. It doesn't matter what your coworkers do. Uh, you know, uh, there's a saying I kind of incorporated in my life. When something unexpected happens, I'm like, hmm, this is good for us. Well, how can you say that? Well, because God's on my side. He leads me. He guides me. As long as I don't get stressed out, full of worry, then I'm going to be able to hear what he says on the inside and follow what he tells me to do. Because the same peace of God that comes into you when you receive Jesus Christ at the point of salvation is the same peace that's there every time he's leading, guiding, and directing you. It's not a different peace. It's the same spirit. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it was the same spirit that led me to be filled with the spirit that led me to be born again. In fact, that's why I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was because I, I was uh, unsure because it was a new area for me and I'd seen it in the Bible a little bit, but not a lot. And so uh, someone said, well, would you like me to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit? I was at a condo retreat around the new year and um, I said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And then I said, oh, okay, yes, I will. Before my mind had a chance to like process and overcome and all of that. Because why? The same Holy Spirit that I was acquainted with that would show me things from the Word, the same Holy Spirit that I watched work on people to receive Christ, love on people to receive Christ, is the same Holy Spirit that was working on me then. Right? And so a lot of times we're looking for somebody to say, you need to go to the street corner of such and such and such and such at such and such a time and do this or do that. But the Bible says the primary way that God speaks is the inward witness. As many as are the sons of God, or as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so he's going to primarily lead you there. And so that's how the Lord led me. And um, that's how the Lord will lead you in every area of your life, primarily by an inward witness. And so the reality is you actually know what to do. So stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at other people. Look to the author and the finisher of your faith. And you look to him who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so when we live our life based on who he is and what he has done, you have a life of joy a life of strength, a life of faith, and a life of freedom. So you're not like uh, constantly stumbling because of the mistakes that you've made. And you know what? Uh, none of us are uh, perfect individuals, and none of us are like our perfect parents, and none of us can perfectly do everything that we're supposed to do. But there is one that can, and he already did it. And the way that you actually have a life of perfection is that you let Christ live through you. In other words, you be motivated and animated by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. And he will tell you 
Oh, here, here, just tweak this little area. Oh, just tweak this. Oh, well, why don't you do this? Oh, why don't, why don't you sew this? Oh, why don't you go over here? Why don't you do that? Do you know that's a, a, Hebrews talks about it. That's called the life of rest, which is the life of faith. So if you're working, working, working really hard, you know, struggling, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, you got all this pressure, that is not the life of faith. The life of faith is a life that is solely uh, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that you don't work hard, but your work is not driving you. Actually, it means that you work very hard and you be very diligent if you're going to be a person of faith. But it means that God is in the driver's seat, not you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is full of life and power and freedom. Oh, Father, we thank you for the freedom that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't live another day without him. You don't have to, in fact, you can't even clean yourself up, make yourself good enough to come to God. That is not even the plan of God. The plan of God is that Jesus came, lived a perfect life so that we could overcome this world and all of the sins, all of the failures, all of the weaknesses that just come with being human. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he loves you. He died for you. He doesn't want you to wait one more minute and be outside of his presence and outside of his blessing. If that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. If you're here this morning, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, there is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit when you're born again, but there is an added experience where you receive the Spirit in His fullness. If that's you this morning, you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. And finally, number three, if you're here this morning and you were part of the family of God and you kind of uh, let other things come in and push him out and you've uh, fallen back into the ways of the world and you need to come back, you want to come back into fellowship with the Lord. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Just slip up your hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our mothers that you have given us. Father, we pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we'd be doers of your word. We thank you for the ability that you have given us on the inside by your spirit. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That there's nothing that the devil could bring our way. That there's no stumbling block. That there is no bondage. That there is no pain that the devil could bring. That Jesus has not already overcome. So Father, we thank you that in him we're full of life, full of purpose, full of hope that today is a bright day, that today is a good day, and that today we're living for you, and that tomorrow we're living for you, and next week, and next month, and next year, for the rest of our lives. We thank you 
for the Spirit of God, your Spirit that lives inside of us, leading us and guiding us in every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.